Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's rare to find a gift that you know everyone on your list will love. That's what you get with an incredibly soft blanket from Minky Couture. With hundreds of different styles and sizes of Minky Couture blankets, you'll find a gift that they are sure to love every single day of the year. Shop the best deals of the season at MinkyCouture.com. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. And welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. You are listening and or watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show, streaming to you live on social media, at BaileyFMDFF Show. Of course, always on the MD's Fantasy Football Show YouTube channel. Please subscribe. Check us out after the show on your favorite pod streaming app. And then check us out on the Amazon App Store. You can download us on your Fire TV or Android devices and watch this show live or on demand wherever you want on your television set because it's playoff time, baby. You're not going to want to miss a minute of our content over the next few weeks as we get you on your way to an MD Nation championship game. Don't worry. We also try to win you guys some bets along the way, too. We'll talk about that today. We'll also be back tonight. That's right. We're doing a double up again on a Friday. We'll be back with the MD's DFS contest and the lock bets of the week with Mr. Chaz Flaherty. That'll be at 9 o'clock tonight. Make sure you go ahead and check that out. Make sure you're checking us out on Super Draft Pro. Go to superdraftpro.com slash show. That is where you can sign up for the new DFS contest as we are pivoting away from FanDuel and DraftKings' this wonderful new platform where betting in, in the U.S. is legal in all 50 states because it offers a membership service. So you can get around. You're in a state where it still hasn't caught up with the times, not caught up with the 21st century, and you can't bet yet. You will be able to with this service. So again, 
sign up superdraftpro.com slash MDFF show. The link will have directly for our contest. We'll talk about that during the show. We'll promote it out over the weekend. Make sure you guys are signing up because we're getting December. December and January are going to be our last two months for the championship football giveaway and for the easy sports betting data for the weekly winner. So check that out this past week. Nobody was able to beat me, your host. So let's see if you guys can do better this time around. Speaking of, I am your host, Dan Meter. And of course, we have the Thursday Night Football recap to talk about today, along with the late slate matchup previews for Week 15. We talked about the early slate window of games, the Saturday games, the 1 o'clock games on Sunday, Wednesday night with Chris Dahauer joined the show. If you missed that, go back on our social media feed. Go back on your favorite podcasting app and check us out that way. But we had a lot of things we had to talk about. So in this show, I always like to kick it off with the news from the earlier segment. Where or the earlier show, I should say, early in in the week when we talk about the early slate games. I like you guys being up to date on the injury news. Now, if you follow us on social media again at BellyFMDFF Show, we'll keep you up to date on the player news notifications throughout the week. But let's get you guys up to date because it's a slew of information out there, pivots for pivots, and it's just a, an absolute nightmare. So let's hit that drop. Breaking news. Of course, we're dealing with all the COVID issues today, and we also have a lot of injuries outside of COVID as well. The COVID thing, look, as far as that goes, it is a day-to-day work in progress. You never know who the next player is going to be. We've had the big breakout this week. This is not the ideal week for it. Your first round, your fantasy football playoffs, a lot of key guys have gone down now or probably going to be out on Sunday. The problem is you get left with this limbo feeling of, well, technically, there's a chance that somebody might be able to come back because they're vaccinated, but we all know how this really works. If you're just a few days away, if somebody's going to go on the COVID list yesterday, like Thursday, or today, Friday, I don't care if you're vaccinated or not. I have not seen a player do a quick turnaround like that unless they're able to figure out very quickly that it was a false positive. I haven't seen it. So you have to pretty much, as soon as you hear your player has COVID-19, Pivot off of it. But let's start off with the injury list from the early slate window of games that we talked about on Wednesday night. So first off, let's just kick it off with the with the Lions. The John, DeAndre Swift still not practicing. We don't expect him to play. They haven't placed him on IR yet. I don't know what they're waiting for. It doesn't make any sense at this point to keep DeAndre Swift on the active roster. But as of now, until he actually gets placed on the IR, until it's official, he's ruled out for the rest of the season. You have to try to find a way to keep him on your team as you go through the playoffs, if you're able to go through the playoffs without him. Because on the off chance that Dan Campbell decides that he can come back and plays him back and tries to be competitive in the last, you know, week 16, 17, 18, last three games of the regular season, you better have DeAndre Swift available to you. So don't drop him yet, but I also would not anticipate being able to have Swift available to you at all for the rest of the playoffs. Now, the one guy we do have clarity on, TJ Hawkinson, that came out official yesterday. He's going to undergo thumb surgery, so he's done for the rest of the year. What does that affect for the Detroit Lions? Well, I think it affects St. Brown the most. Now he gets to operate as the go-to, pretty much the last man left standing as far as pass catchers, especially over the middle part of the field, which we know Jared Goff likes to attack the most. Yes, Detroit's not going to score a lot of points, but this week coming up in particular, I actually like it a lot because you have Arizona, a paced offense. Detroit is an up paced offense. There's going to be a lot of targets to be had. They, Detroit will probably have to come back starting in the first quarter, most likely. You might be garbage time after the first five minutes, quite frankly. Now, Arizona has their own list of problems. We'll talk about that in a second. 
but you have to like what you've seen out of St. Brown. Two weeks in a row, double-digit targets. That will only continue now with TJ Hawkinson out of the way for the rest of the season. Josh Reynolds was a downgrade in practice yesterday. He's limited. We have to wait to see that practice report today, see what he's going to be able to do. But yeah, St. Brown, I actually like him a lot as a very solid wide receiver three. That's what that news affects for me. On the flip side, Arizona, A.J. Green goes down with COVID. We know DeAndre Hopkins is out for the rest of the season. We still have not seen James Conner practice at all so far this week. We still have today to get through. We'll see what happens. First, we'll start with Conner. If Conner doesn't go, then I think what we can expect to see is Chase Edmonds be able to dominate the workload in his first week back. Will Eno Benjamin probably get involved and some other guys? Yeah, they probably will here and there. They're not going to want to kill Chase Edmonds right off the bat but he will be the lead back against the Detroit Lions with no James Conner, meaning his touchdown potential now gets to rise up. And when you take away DeAndre Hopkins, when you take away A.J. Green on top of it, he's going to be also involved in the passing game. As far as the wide receivers go, with A.J. Green out of the way, I do think you have to at least pay attention to Rondale Moore in full-point PPR leagues. Because the one thing we were worried about, you know, or not worried about, we knew Hawkins out, that didn't mean Rondell Moore suddenly gets a bigger target share. In fact, what would be happening is that it would be A.J. Green on the outside. On the opposite side of that, it would be Antoine Wesley. That's what we've seen up until this point, where Rondell Moore still winds up being the, the gadget guy wide receiver four. But now with A.J. Green out of the way, they're running out of options. Christian Kirk is probably going to have to bounce back out to the outside, which that will open the door for Rondale Moore to actually operate as the main slot wide receiver. So I don't have a lot of interest in half-point PPR leagues. It's still going to be outside my top 36. But if you're in full-point PPR leagues and you're looking around, you had guys like Tyler Lockett go on the COVID-19 list, which we'll talk about in a second, and other you know guys pop up that you weren't expecting, Rondale Moore is somebody that you can maybe look at as your pivot-to-pivot option that I've talked about this entire week that you have to have. It's unfortunate, but you do. You have to have those options to you. Uh, so I would take a look at that because now he's in a position where he might actually get some significant playing time. Carlos Hyde, he's officially ruled out heading into Sunday. You love this for James Robinson. So no Carlos Hyde, no Urban Meyer. And we have already have Daryl Bevel talking about, hey, James Robinson's our starting running back. We're going to utilize James Robinson as our starting running back. And he gets to play against Houston. I don't think you could ask for much more for a bounce back in the first round of your playoffs out of a player than the situation that's lining up for James Robinson right now. And by the way, I'll give you guys a little sneak peek preview. Fire him up in DFS because right now I think on DraftKings, he's only $5,400. He's got a multiplier on the Super Draft, which we'll talk about later tonight as part of the DFS contest show. This is a guy that is primed to have a big bounce back week. And the Jacksonville Jaguars in general look like a team that has a weight just lifted off their shoulders in that locker room. This is all you need to know. Vegas actually made the Jaguars a two and a half point more favorite than they already were over Houston, which I thought was ridiculous. There were three point favorites over Houston going into this matchup. Now the line is at minus five and a half after firing Urban Meyer. That's all you need to know as far as what the impact of Urban Meyer getting fired from this team really frankly could be. And we love it for James Robinson in particular. I haven't gotten a chance to update my rankings after the Thursday night game yet. I've been kind of waiting this week because we've had so much COVID news. So many things are changing on a consistent basis. I'm going to wait till tonight, 
make sure everything's set for tomorrow for our two games on Saturday. Remember, we have two games tomorrow at four o'clock and at eight o'clock, and then I'll do them again Sunday morning as we head into uh, you know the main slate of games to make sure we're all up to date. Check that out on BellyUpFantasySports.com. I'll post it out as soon as they are live and ready for you guys to get the edge on your opponents to be able to put together your starting lineups. For the Giants, we know Kadarius Tony. He's probably going to be out. Daniel Jones is definitely going to be out. There's been a lot of talk this week about Mike Glennon and Jake Fromm. You know, Jake Fromm actually getting worked in and getting some starting reps because Mike Glennon's been a catastrophe anyway. Why not? I guess at this point, look, all you care about the Giants is Saquon Barkley, and all you want the quarterback to do is check down the ball to him. He did come back to practice on Thursday, so Barkley looks like he will be playing and active out there. Uh, Lamar Jackson still has not practiced yet this week. I got to tell you, I'm leaning towards him being inactive. I know this is a big matchup against the Green Bay Packers. It's a big game for the Baltimore Ravens. You don't want to chance the Browns and or the Steelers actually being able to gain ground as they lose games or the Bengals. I should throw them in there too. Um, But with Lamar Jackson, his game is so tied to his mobility. And if you're dealing with a high ankle sprain, I don't know how mobile you're going to be, especially the first week after the injury. I think he's going to have to take a week off. Now, I'm not scared about the weapons for Baltimore because Tyler Huntley has proven, look, I can get the ball to Marquise Brown. I can get the ball to Mark Andrews. I can get the ball to Rashad Bateman. Oh, and by the way, he can operate and run around a little bit himself. I think Tyler Huntley is going to be a big-time streaming quarterback this particular week. I don't think Lamar Jackson is going to play as of now, but we'll get more clarity on that later on today. Make sure you're following us along for those player news notifications. Uh, Marquise Brown there was some concern about him. It turns out he didn't practice yesterday because of an illness. It was unknown at first why he was not practicing. Didn't know if it was because of the thigh issue he had been trying to work through. Sounds like he had an illness himself. Now, it's a non-COVID illness, but he had an illness. So we're going to have to watch Marquise Brown now pretty closely. Sammy Watkins did come back to practice. Uh, we go to the Buffalo Bills, Emmanuel Sanders. He's going to be out. Josh Allen, good news on him. He came back to practice in full two day. So Josh Allen is going to be good to go come Sunday. Not that we were overly concerned about that. Now for all the COVID-19 news that we have been getting throughout the week and all of it being absolutely terrible, there does seem to be a little bit of a bright spot coming out of Miami all of a sudden this morning getting reported that Miles Gaskin and Savant Ahmed, who are on the COVID-19 protocols, Brian Flores saying today that he expects both of those players to make a return today into practice so if that winds up being true we don't know that's true yet but if that winds up being true that means miles gaskin and savant Ahmed would be on pace to play this sunday if gaskin in particular plays and he's out there he's an rb2 this week against the new york jets you have to play him in your starting lineups and i'm not worried about him being on a limited pitch count or anything of that nature he'll be a full go he'll be the guy they're gonna have to utilize him because jalen waddle okay <laughs> For every good for every good piece of news, there's like 10 pieces of bad news when it comes to the COVID-19 protocols. Jalen Waddle goes on COVID-19 list yesterday. There is yes, there's tippet, there is a quote unquote chance that he could wind up being back in the lineup. He is vaccinated. But like I said, we have rarely ever seen a player do a quick turnaround like that, vaccinated or not, and be able to play after being put on the COVID-19 list. I would not anticipate. Jalen Waddle being able to go. So in his absence, you got to love Devontae Parker and you got to love Mike Gusecki. They both get a bump up in their expected volume 
in a great matchup against the New York Jets. And we know even if Miles Gaskin is available, the Dolphins are a pass first team. Have been, whether it's been bad teams, good teams, neutral, negative, pro game scripts, it does not matter. The Miami Dolphins are a pass first team. That's not going to go anywhere. I stand pat on Tua Tagalavoa being a strong streaming option this week. And I love Devontae Parker and Mike Kosicki just a little bit more now that Jalen Waddle is going to be out. My apologies to those of you who had Jalen Waddle and were depending upon him for your first round of your playoffs, though. It's really, uh, it's really a tough break, but you're not, you're not the only ones who had to go through this. It's a good thing that uh, Miles Gaskin and Savant Ahmed are going to be back too, by the way, because Jared Dokes, the rookie they had earlier in the season, they cut him. They're going to bring him back. They brought him back, and then they had to put him on COVID-19 list. It was insane in Miami. It still is insane in Miami what they're going through there. Uh, let's move on to the Washington football team. J.D. McKissick practicing in a limited capacity. We'll see what he does today. Assuming he can practice today, he may be back and activated. They're going to need him. They're going to need everybody all hands on deck. The other good news, before we get to the bad news, Terry McLaurin, he did practice in a limited capacity yesterday. It sounds like he's going to practice again today. He's trending in a direction where he's going to be cleared from concussion protocols. Now, I know I said before that if Terry McLaurin is out there, he's a, he's a high-end wide receiver three in my rankings, and I have a hard time believing you're going to be in a position with your team that you're going to have a better option than a Terry McLaurin. Yes, he's going to have to face the Eagles where he might get the Darius Slay coverage. Yes, he's been more of a wide receiver three than the high-end wide receiver two, low-end wide receiver one that you drafted and being expected him to be, unfortunately. But Terry McLaurin heading into this matchup, now on top of it, he's going to have to deal with the likelihood that Garrett Gilbert is going to be the starting quarterback because Taylor Heineke, he goes on the COVID-19 list now. It, it just won't stop. That just came out this morning. Every single day we wake up, another key player is going on the COVID-19 list, guys. This is what I'm talking about. Be vigilant on the waiver wire. Have a pivot for your pivot for your pivot. Just have backup plans. Even if your backup plans are not on your current roster because you can't fit them in at the moment because guys aren't rolled out, just know who you're going to try to target because knowing that gets you the waiver wire quicker, beats your opponents out quicker because everybody is going to be vulturing that waiver wire this weekend. Everybody's going to have to make moves. The only good thing I can say... I don't even know it's good. It's a silver lining or, you know, a way to look at it, I guess, a decent perspective to have on this first round of the playoffs with all of this coming down on, on top of everybody is that if you're truly a good manager, if you're truly plugged in, if you revere yourself as one of the smarter fantasy football managers of your league, this week in a way benefits you. Now, there's only so much you can do if certain key players in your lineup go out. You're not going to be able to replace these guys one for one. But generally speaking, if you know who the next guy is to target, the next pivot, the next best pivot option is before your opponent, it will benefit you. You will be the one with the leg up heading into this week's matchup, even if your lineup does not is not recognizable to you as far as what got you there to the playoffs. It's the only way I can say that's why you, you listen to this show, you follow us on social media, you ask us questions, or you DM us, we'll help you out. But that's stay plugged in. Because you being vigilant could be why you win a week like this. Frankly, that's been the reason you're in the playoffs anyway. Because this season's been, <laughs> a, frankly, it's been a nightmare. Between the low-scoring sums and all the late COVID-19 news, especially the past few weeks, the fact that almost every single RB1 went down to a significant injury at some point this season, it's been a nightmare. And you've had to manage your way through it. And we're going to continue to do so. It's the first round of playoffs. We still got a few more weeks to go. Bunker down. Let's win this thing. 
That's my pep talk for you guys, by the way. All right, let's head to the Philadelphia Eagles. We still have more injury news to talk about. Jalen Hurts, he's been a limited participant in practice all week long. He's still been splitting reps with Gardner Minshew. It is unclear at this point which side of the questionable 50-50 tag that Jalen Hurts inevitably is going to be labeled as heading into Sunday. Here's my advice. It's Washington, and if Jalen Hurts plays, you're playing him against Washington. He will still be a mid-level QB1 against Washington. If he plays, he will use his legs. Maybe not to the same effect that he was doing so before, but the Eagles are not going to put out a Jalen Hurts in this matchup against Washington when they're in their backup backup quarterback unless they feel like he can be Jalen Hurts. There'd be no reason to do so. You know Gardner Mitchell could come in for a spot start, run the offense effectively enough. You saw it against the New York Jets. The Washington football team might not be much different than the New York Jets from a few weeks ago right now with all the COVID-19 issues they're having. Remember, it's not just Taylor Heineke. They've also got hit hard on the defensive side of the ball, too. If Hurts doesn't wind up going, Gardner Minshew is a strong streaming option to be able to turn to. So just kind of have that in the back of your mind. Maybe if you have the roster spot, pick him up now. Uh, But Gardner Minshew would be a guy that you could easily pivot to, I think, and get decent production out of. Would he have the ceiling of a Jalen Hurts? No, obviously not. He doesn't run the same way. But the way this game is kind of setting up, we know Minshew can come in and get you 18 to 20 points. Probably no problem against this Washington football team. So just kind of a little pivot option for you guys there. But if Hurts is out there, I'm not going to be concerned about it because I truly trust that they're not going to play him unless he can be mobile, unless he can be himself. And remember, he's had a couple of weeks off now, so he is further along in the progress of recovering, unlike, let's say, Lamar Jackson, who has a similar injury, but he's coming off. He just had it this past week. I'd be a lot more concerned about Lamar Jackson than I would be a Jalen Hurts if both were to be active this week. Miles Sanders, he's been practicing in limited capacity. So has Jordan Howard. We expect all four running backs with Philadelphia Eagles to be healthy and active for this game, something that has not happened very often this season. What does that mean? That means Miles Sanders, he gets to lead the way. I think Jordan Howard will have his role. Kenneth Gainwell, I believe he'll just be the fourth string guy, maybe just a special teams guy. I I think we'll see what we did. I think there was one other time this season where this has happened. Boston Scott wasn't really involved, at least not until, I think that was the same game as Sanders and Howard wound up getting banged up in the same game in the second half. He wasn't involved until one of them got banged up. So I expect it to be a Miles Sanders, Jordan Howard show unless one of them goes down to injury, and then we'll see Boston Scott get mixed in. I don't think it's going to be a full-blown three-man or four-man committee or anything like that. I think they'll consolidate it down to the top two, and then we'll see how things play out from there. I would play Miles Sanders as a high-end RB3. The only way I'm playing Howard is if I'm just desperate for a guy who has a chance to get me 10 carries and potentially a touchdown, which in this game against Washington, the way it's shaping up, Howard will be that guy. He will get have a chance. I think he will have the opportunity for 10 carries and a touchdown in this game. So if you're just scraping the bottom of the barrel because you got hit by injuries, you got hit by COVID, whatever the case may be, Howard can still potentially be a guy that you can look to as far as getting you some kind of value. It's not going to be pretty, but it's better than what else is probably out there and available to you at this point. James Conner, we talked about him a little bit earlier, has not practiced at all this week. We'll wait to see him. Darren Waller, he is ruled out for this game. That means Foster Moreau is a streaming option. I know he hasn't really been coming through the past few weeks as a streaming option, but he is still a streaming option nonetheless. Hunter Renfro will be expected to continue his high floor to ceiling ratio to be a low-end wide receiver one, possibly better against the Cleveland Browns as he gets to operate the entire middle of the field strictly to himself. 
and he's just been unbelievable. You love Hunter Renfro heading this matchup, especially with Darren Waller continuing to miss. And now we get to the Brown side of things where everybody's on the COVID list. Baker Mayfield, COVID-19. We knew that earlier in the week, but then Case Keenum yesterday, COVID-19. So it sounds like, it sounds like uh, Nick Mullins is going to be the starting quarterback for the Cleveland Browns heading into tomorrow's matchup. I'll say this. When Nick Mullins first broke out onto the scene as a San Francisco 49er, it was against the Raiders. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Listen, if you're still living with bladder accidents, stop. It's time to get your life back. I was just like you until I found real relief with Axonix Therapy. It's not a pill or a pad. It's a clinically proven advanced treatment. Get started at findrealrelief.com. That's findrealrelief.com. Consult a bladder specialist to find out if Axonix is right for you. Results and experiences may vary. For more information about safety and potential risks, go to findrealrelief.com. And the Raiders defense at that time was not very dissimilar to what it is now. And he broke out for like 300 yards and four touchdowns in this game. People were actually talking about is Nick Mullins actually a thing after that one. I don't think that's going to happen this week. I'm just throwing that out there. It's like, hey, you know what? Nick Mullins at a spot start against the Raiders actually has had success in the past. And, so, and that just goes for, you know, if you're looking at a Donovan people Jones, because Jarvis Landry's on the COVID-19 list, still not expected to play. And if you're, trying to figure out, okay, what exactly is Nick Chubb's expectations if the entire team's going to be out on COVID? I think you have some semblance of hope there. You're playing Nick Chubb. I think Donovan Peoples-Jones is still a top 36 wide receiver that you can go to because of the expected volume he's going to get. I just would question the overall upside. Because remember, you're going to have basically the JV squad of the Cleveland Browns offensive line out there. You don't know what kind of defense you're going to have. Everybody knows that this entire offense is going to have to be built around Nick Chubb and maybe to a lesser degree, Dearness Johnson. Maybe he's a sneaky flex play as well because that's their whole offense. No Kevin Stefanski. They don't have their wide receivers. The only thing they have really going for them is that Chubb and Dearness Johnson managed to stay off the COVID-19 list. But what happens to Nick Chubb's ceiling if the Raiders, knowing that, stack nine, ten guys in the box and dare Nick Mullins to throw it over their heads with just really Donovan Peoples-Jones, the only legitimate wide receiver. That becomes the question. Some good news, though, for the tight end position, David Njoku got activated. So I do think David Njoku, I like him a lot more in DFS. I do think he would be my DFS tight end of the week, uh, especially if you want to pay down and go with a cheap option. But I, I don't know if he's a streaming option. Again, that's somebody that I'm going to have to do my rankings tonight. We'll let you guys know more about that tomorrow morning before that game kicks off. I will say, though, the volume share should go his way. No Austin Hooper. We're still not exactly sure about Harrison Bryant. Again, no Jarvis Landry. Nick Mullins is somebody who likes to throw it short over the middle part of the field. That might be David Njoku this week. That's still not really Donovan Peoples-Jones' role, even with Jarvis Landry out. Something to kind of keep your eye on there if you're looking to stream tight ends, trying to find an option. David Njoku could be a really sneaky one this week, uh, given all the circumstances around him. Trying to finish this thing up. We got DJ Moore. He is looking like he is going to be able to play. 
That's the good news for him. He's been able to practice in limited capacity in spite of getting listed with a hamstring injury. I expect him to be active. And because of the matchup, I think you have to play him as a wide receiver too, even with all the quarterback woes going on with the Carolina Panthers. DJ Moore is too good and too good of a matchup in a crucial spot. If you've been riding him and you got to the fantasy playoffs, I think you have to continue to do so. Whew. Guys, that was just the injury segment. <laughs> that was just the injury segment. With the COVID-19, we still have more to talk about in the late slate of games. I do want to get into the Thursday night recap, though, before we go to the break. So the, the only silver lining to the Week 15 is that the Thursday night game was great. The Thursday night game kicked it off in a big way. We got overtime action. We had good offensive play. We had moments of good defense. And the big thing is that the guys that you were counting on for fantasy football purposes came through for you. And that includes the Chargers side of the ball. Let's start on that side. Justin Herbert wasn't his best day that he's had for the past few weeks, but he still gets two passing touchdowns, 236 yards, and he gets the rushing touchdown just to make sure that he was a good fantasy asset for you guys this week. He had the one pick, but that's not going to be, that. that's nothing when he gets the rushing touchdown. You're good to go. Herbert came through for you at the end. It was looking shaky. I mean, really, both offenses were looking shaky after the first half. There wasn't a lot going on. Defenses looked like they were once again figuring out what could be, should be high-powered offenses. And then suddenly, this thing got turned on in the second half, especially in the fourth quarter for both teams in this one. It, it Really, the second half was actually absolutely tremendous. Even the first half, though, I will say, for a 14-10 to 10 matchup where both offenses were looking a little bit out of sync, they were still moving the ball. It was just the defenses were locking down in the red zone. And I guess I'll mention this real quickly because there's been a big you know, social media war between the old school of thinking and the new school of thinking, the analytics versus you know kicking the field goal. Here's what I'll say. Both sides are right. Both sides are wrong. I think analytics is a little bit carried away that this is what the probability tells you, therefore you do it all the time. I'm a guy who loves data. I'm a fantasy football ranker. I'm fantasy pros. I do this fantasy football show. I, I do handicapping. Uh, obviously, I'm a guy who loves data and based a lot of what I do off the data that I come up with. But I also love football. I also love watching film. And there's something to be said for momentum and energy. Okay, that is a real thing in this game in particular. Everything needs context. So here, here's what I say. I was thinking to myself, and this was during the game, when the Chargers were down there getting ready to kick the field goal, and it was 14 to 10. This, this would be the first field goal of the three that they decided to pass up on. I was saying to myself, you have to kick the field goal here. They weren't. They were still a few yards away from the red zone. It wasn't like it was fourth and one goal to go. They were a few yards away. I forget exactly what yard line they were on. And I'm thinking to myself in this instance, if you kick the field goal here, you go up by a touchdown. That makes sense. That makes sense to go up seven. I'm all about the aggressiveness, going for the win, going for the kill. I'm, I'm, I'm all about it. But when you're a few yards away, it's not like a one yard to go for the goal and it's fourth down and you're already up four points and kicking three points would put you up by a touchdown. In that contextual sense, I would be going against the data and saying, no, it makes more sense to go up by a touchdown here. That's what I was thinking in that instance. The other two times after that, I thought it was good to go. Why? Because it was much closer to the goal line. It was one, two yards away, where if you're giving the ball back to the Chiefs, you have them really far backed up. 
So in those situations, I was all about the data in that instance. The first one, though, I think was the one they should have kicked the field goal on. And that just goes to my point of, I think that's why I say both sides were right and both sides were wrong. Everything needs to be contextualized, including data. There's a lot of times I come up with fantasy football players, my projections of what I have them doing, but I have a weight system. The weight system is designed to contextualize the data. Are there factors that the data doesn't necessarily represent in this instance, in this moment, that needs to be weighed in in some kind of capacity? That does happen. That does matter. At the same time, just going off your eye in the sky and going off of your gut feel and nothing tangible to actually back up your opinion isn't always the right way either. That's why I say both ways are right. Both ways are wrong. Both need to be implemented together with knowing when it, it matters and knowing when it doesn't. And that could be a tricky situation. But that's why, to me, that's why I use that example. That first field goal, I thought that they passed up. That was the instance in which I thought you should kick the field goal because you go up by seven. So the be- the worst thing you could do is the Chiefs tie on the way back on the next drive, but also you are a few yards away from the end zone. I think your odds of actually getting it in were just a little bit less. Where the other two, you were much closer. You were within a couple of yards that point. Then I get it. That's that. That's my difference there. But that's all I'm going to say to that because I just feel like I needed to address it because there's so much social media upheaval and a lot of fantasy football analysts getting involved because we're all very much data guys too. But I see both sides of the argument heading into this one. Obviously, though, outside of that, you were depending upon Austin Eckler. Yes, his workload obviously was limited with the ankle injury that he sustained on Sunday, but he came through for you because he finds a way to get, even when his, even when his workload is limited, he finds a way to get into the end zone. He gets that rushing touchdown. He was actually efficient on the ground, 12 carries, but 59 yards, 4.9 yards a carry, still tax on four receptions for 23 yards. It wasn't the big RB1 top five finish that you would want to have out of an Austin Eckler in your first round, your playoffs. But for a guy who was going into this thing really banged up and on a limited workload, I think he did about all you could have hoped for in this game. So you're happy about Austin Eckler. And he definitely is not going to be the reason you lose if you do, in fact, lose still this week. Keenan Allen in the same boat. Keenan Allen coming back on a short week. He had been on COVID for the past uh, week and a half, I guess. He came back, had 10 targets right off the bat, just assumed his normal Keenan Allen role, six receptions, 78 yards, and does something that he doesn't typically do. He scored a touchdown in this game just to boost that overall. So you're happy with Keenan Allen. The only guy you're disappointed by was Mike Williams. And I'm not surprised that I'm saying that, but I do say that with a caveat. If you manage to get past this week with Mike Williams in your lineup, and it might be difficult to do because he only had three catches for 49 yards and he didn't get a score. I still think you have to have confidence in Mike Williams next week. Now, part of that is that they play Houston. So the matchups there, but the other part of that is the target share in this game. Kean Allen had 10 targets, but Mike Williams had nine. This is what I want to see. And this is what we've been seeing the past few weeks when these both, when both these guys have been out there where Mike Williams has gone back to what we saw earlier in the year, where he's getting about the same amount of targets as a Keenan Allen in the game. Now, yes, he didn't have the stat line to go with it for this particular matchup, But as long as that continues to be the trend, I will have confidence in playing Mike Williams as a high-end wide receiver three, including next week against the Houston Texans. So that's where I, I, yes, he disappointed, but I still have that caveat there where the usage does give me some confidence moving forward if you're able to get to the next round. Moving to the Kansas City Chiefs side, we got to start with Patrick Mahomes. Have to start with Patrick Mahomes. 
410 yards, three touchdowns, interception. He was my QB 12 coming in the week. So I still had him my QB one area. I was still telling you guys that if you've gotten there with Mahomes, you need to start him. So overall, I'm okay with my advice. Obviously, my ranking is going to wind up being wrong, though, because he had 400 yards and three touchdowns. He's going to finish a hell of a lot higher than the QB 12 on the week. But that's great news. You need him Mahomes to come through for you. He hasn't really been doing so on a consistent basis. But when you need him the most... He had a big fantasy output. And it was, again, it was looking scary in this game. A lot of this didn't come to fruition until we got to that second half, or really until we got to that fourth quarter and that overtime, where all of a sudden Travis Kelsey's getting open for a couple of big plays at the end. And Tyreek Hill was, Tyreek Hill was actually a pretty dominant force all four quarters throughout this game. He was peppered all throughout, all throughout the game, coming up with a big touchdown himself. This was great to see out of Mahomes, and it's got to give you confidence that you just you just play Mahomes. You just stay the course, and you play Mahomes uh, heading into next week. If he got you there, you just you know what he can do, and what he can do is probably better than any other fantasy quarterback out there. Now, as part of this, because the Chargers decide to play man to man, yeah, it is. I, I look the Raiders and the Chargers seem to be the only two teams that haven't gotten the memo on, you just play zone against the Chiefs. You don't give up the big play, and you watch their offense kind of get frustrated and get antsy because they're so built upon the big play for their momentum that it kind of just disappears. There's not, they're not just not a team that's built to sustain drives over and over. They can do it. They have the talent to do it, of course. But other than like the first drive of the game or the first drive of the second half and a lot of their matchups, they don't do it consistently because it's not their mentality of what they want to do. So you just kind of get in their minds. You kind of frustrate them. But the Chargers and the Raiders came out and played man to man against them. And that's why you see the Chargers are the, the excuse me, Mahomes and the Chiefs kind of spark back to life in a way because of that. Uh, we'll see if that continues to happen. But yeah, Mahomes, if anything, he proved to you that you're going to have to probably play him again next week if he got you past this point. I mentioned Travis Kelsey. I mentioned Tyreek Hill. 10 catches, 191 yards, two touchdowns on 13 targets for Travis Kelsey. If you're wondering why you start him no matter what, this is why you start him no matter what. It's been a rough three weeks, and then you get a performance like this, which undoubtedly will be the number one tight end on the week. Undoubtedly about it. So that's why you always play Travis Kelsey, in case anybody was wondering. Tyreek Hill, 12 catches, 148 yards. He gets a touchdown. He had 13 targets. He's an elite receiver as well. There was some concern at the end of the game because that last overtime drive and that last fourth quarter drive, he was actually out. The report that I've gotten right now is that he was dealing with cramps and was trying to get stretched out. He was able to come back in the overtime game, got a 14-yard reception that led to the Travis Kelsey big game-winning touchdown. Uh, we're not really concerned too much about Tyreek Hill. We especially like that he was able to get back into the game. If it's true that it was cramping, then there will really be nothing to be concerned about heading into next week. But whatever the case may be, he does have the extra layoff before he has to come back and play next Sunday. So you're okay with that there. The interesting note of this game, because every, everybody you wanted to come through for you pretty much did. The interesting note on the Kansas City Chiefs side was the usage of CEH and Darrell Williams. So you look at the box score, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, he had nine carries for 32 yards. And then he also had two receptions for 18 yards. He didn't have a great fantasy day. He didn't. And hopefully he doesn't be the re he's not the reason you wind up losing. Obviously, you're playing Clyde Zolaire. It's probably that low end RB2, high end RB3 in your lineups. Darrell Williams had five carries to CEH's nine, only 12 yards on his five carries, and only had one target. 
didn't have a reception at all in this game. The interesting note is this. From an actual usage playing time standpoint, this has been the biggest gap all season long since Clyde Rizzler has come back, I guess I should specify, that he's played ahead of Darrell Williams. He had 50 snaps compared to Darrell Williams' 21, 32 routes run compared to Williams' 15, four targets compared to his one, nine carries compared to his five. He pretty much had double the amount of playing time and usage across the board from a Darrell Williams. That hasn't been the case since Clyde Edwards-Alaire has returned. It's been more of a 50-50 committee. This looked to me like Edwards-Alaire, as they're getting closer to the winter, getting closer to the playoffs, they're starting to lean on him more and letting him be more of the lead back. That's what you want to see. So pretty much what I'm saying is this. While he did have a very disappointing game, and there's no doubt about that from a fantasy standpoint, if you're able to make next week, I would be confident playing CEH with the usage trending in a direction that he gets to take over more than what we have seen up until this point. We know he has a low floor heading into these matches because we know he can get left out of the offense at any given moment because Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill can do things like they did last night. But you like where the usage or the playing time is trending with the CEH. So I will be back on him again as a low-end RB2 next week and maybe with even a little bit more confidence now that he's starting to separate himself from Darrell Williams again. I will mention, though, that one point in the goal line, when they're in the red zone, Clyde Edwards-Alaire was not in there. It was still Darrell Williams. So he does still have that role, which does limit the touchdown ability of a Clyde Edwards-Alaire. So that still much is a variable in the picture moving forward too, though. But what I want to do now is I want to take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we'll finally get into the late slate of Week 15 matchup previews, talk about our fantasy football expectations, talk about some of our bets of the week. So everybody stay tuned. The MD's Fantasy Football Show, and we'll be back right after this. MD Nation, we want to welcome in a new sponsor of the show called Props Fantasy from PropsFantasy.com. Props Fantasy is a website and app which allows users to import their season-long fantasy teams to challenge other season-long fantasy teams. Their crucial difference is that you can challenge other teams that you are not playing in your league that week or aren't even in your league or not even on the same platform. The idea behind Props Fantasy is to let casual season-long fantasy players use the teams they already have to engage in daily fantasy-type contests for winnings. Users can wager anything from $1 up to $1,000 on a head-to-head challenge. Props Fantasy even harmonizes the scoring. If you're in a PPR league and your opponent is not, Props Fantasy will default to a half-point PPR or you can manually adjust it. They also handle things like standard lineup versus super flex. Their developers are fantasy football diehards and have thought of everything, including IDP. So if you think your season-long team is not just the best in your league, but the best in all leagues, this is your chance to find out and win money when you sign up for the Props Fantasy app today at PropsFantasy.com. So join in on the fun. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. And welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. You are listening and or watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show, streaming to you live on social media at Show. Make sure you subscribe to the MD's Fantasy Football Show YouTube channel. Check us out on your favorite pod streaming app after the show and download the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Amazon App Store for your Fire TV and Android devices. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We just went over the Thursday night recap, and I got you up to date from the injury news from the 
episode on Wednesday night for the early slate window of games. But make sure you follow us along on social media at BaileyUpMDFF Show. We'll get those player news notifications out to you guys over the weekend with our fantasy analysis. Make sure you're checking out BaileyUpFantasySports.com. We'll be updating the rankings throughout the weekend. And check out that show on one of those apps or uh, on your social media feeds, whatever the case may be, and get all the information you need. But I actually have to hit the breaking news because we have some news coming out right now. Breaking news. And for the most part, this is actually a lot of good news. So don't worry. Uh, first and foremost, it's official. Safan Ahmed and Miles Gaskin are both coming off the COVID-19 list. So they are going to be activated and ready to go. That means you are playing Miles Gaskin as a solid RB2 against the New York Jets. So at least you do get one option back to you guys on a Friday. I also have some more good news. Leonard Fournette, he had him practice all week long. He is back at practice. We'll find out later if he's a limited or a full participant, but there have been some concern. He had him practice the last two days. Was he even going to be out there? He's dealing with an ankle issue, but he practiced today. So now he should be back on track to be able to be activated for Sunday. He's been an RB1. He's he's a top seven option for me this week. He's been a top five running back for the season. You need Leonard Fournette. So it's good to hear that he's going to be back out there uh, too. Yeah, just some good news coming across the board of a week of that's been really mostly bad news for the most part. So good to be able to say that with you guys. All right, let's try to dive in to our late week 15 matchups. Let's try to figure this all out. The fantasy expectations, the bets that we are going to make everything along those lines today. We got Washington, or I'm sorry, we got Cincinnati and we got Denver. That's what we're going to talk about first. So Cincinnati, one of the few teams that uh, the COVID-19 list hasn't really affected all that much. You pretty much have your normal group of guys that you would want to play against Denver here. Joe Mixon's a top five running back. Obviously, you're starting him. Jamar Chase got back on track last week. T. Higgins has been one of the hottest receivers over the past few weeks. I got Jamar Chase at wide receiver 13. T. Higgins at wide receiver 18. Now, the reason why I have them as just wide receiver twos and not really cracking the top 12 area, especially in Jamar Chase's case, it's because this is in Denver. Denver's defense typically does play better when they are at home. And we know that while they've been a roller coaster of a defense, they can play really well, especially if they're at home at times, even against good offenses. But I'm definitely not afraid of this matchup in any way. And I'm playing all my guys with confidence. So Chase Higgins, Joe Mixon. The question I think for me is Joe Burrow. Do you want to play him? He comes in my QB 16. So that's the bottom range of what I consider to be a streaming quarterback for any given week. I would probably look for other options outside of Joe Burrow. If I can, there's our, there are guys with more upside, but with some of the COVID-19 news coming out with some of these guys, and we have Hertz and, and Lamar Jackson banged up, I can see a scenario where Joe Burrow is going to wind up working his way closer to my top 12 by the time we hit Sunday. So I don't think he's out of the realm of possibility. You always love the fact that he has the good weapons. It's just his play has been, what, inconsistent. First of all, Cincinnati's become a run-first team. That's first and foremost. Burrow has had some trouble with interceptions and playing inconsistently just on tape so far this season. They got back on track last week a bit from the offensive production against the San Francisco 49ers. They went over 300 yards, had a couple of touchdowns. But it did take it all the way into overtime to really be able to pad those stats. Again, Denver's not a matchup you're worried about, but I do think you have better options than a Joe Burrow. But it's nice that Cincinnati's not dealing with so much COVID, not dealing with so much 
uh, injury news on top of that. Although I do think their right tackle, Riley, he's going to be out due to COVID, but none of the fantasy players that you care about. Here, Next up, we have, and we have Denver here to talk about too. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's rare to find a gift that you know everyone on your list will love. That's what you get with an incredibly soft blanket from Minky Couture. With hundreds of different styles and sizes of Minky Couture blankets, you'll find a gift that they are sure to love every single day of the year. Shop the best deals of the season at MinkyCouture.com. There's only you can only trust the backfield in Denver. Teddy, between Teddy Bridgewater, this offense slowing down their pace to a an alarming rate. But the fact that everybody gets to touch the ball as far as the wide receivers go, there's nobody to trust. The only guy that I can even contemplate playing would be Jerry Judy because he's the only one who's had consistent usage from week to week to week. And even then, you're talking five to seven targets, maybe five catches for about 66 yards. You're not talking about a whole heck of a lot. So that's the concern there when it comes to a Jerry Judy. There's just not much of a ceiling for any of these pass catchers, and he's the only one who has a floor. I know Noah Fan scored last week, and I went on this big rant about Noah Fan, of course, that, that particular week about not playing him and him not even being on your roster. And, of course, that's the week he goes off and scores. But my process wasn't wrong. He still splits usage. He still split targets with Albert O. Albert O had just as many yards and just as many targets. He just didn't have the touchdown that Noah Fan had. We all know, I think we should all know at this point, it's just as likely Noah Fan has the Cortland Sutton day where he has one catch for 10 yards on four targets, and that's it. You can't trust anything in this passing game. So the only thing I care about is the rushing game. Now, Cincinnati's better than what they get credit for when it comes to stopping the run, but they're still not a top 10 level defense or anything like that. It's not a matchup you're scared of. Javante Williams have been dealing with a knee issue all throughout the week, but he's been able to practice a limited capacity on Wednesday. Didn't practice on Thursday. So he is somebody we need to watch to see what he's able to do in practice today. If he doesn't wind up practicing then we can confidently say it was a downgrade from Wednesday, and it might just be the Melvin Gordon show come Sunday. If he does practice in limited capacity today and the words of Vic Vangio and Javante Williams come true, which is they expect him to be able to play, then I think you're playing Javante Williams as a low-end RB2 because you know him and Melvin Gordon are both going to get significant enough workload to be fantasy-relevant running backs, to be solid RB2s. I like Melvin Gordon a little bit more. One, because he's not dealing with the knee issue. Two, he came back off of his injury, and even though Javante Williams showed that he could be an elite-level RB1 in that one start that he got all to himself, what do we see? We saw Melvin Gordon once again go back to him, kind of edging out Javante, being more of a 55-45 split in favor of Melvin Gordon. That's continued since he's returned. I expect that would continue again. So even if Williams is out there, I like Gordon a little bit more as an RB17 this week. But there's nothing else on Denver to even bother talking about. So let's see if we can make some money on this game. Let's talk about this game from a betting standpoint. Again, the Denver Broncos and the Cincinnati Bengals. It's going to be a close matchup. It is in Denver. The line is minus three in favor of Denver. Now that's the part. I disagree with 
I think Cincinnati's the better team. So if I'm going to bet anything, I'm going to, I'm going to bet the Bengals plus three in this matchup. I'm not going to take the money line outright, although I don't think that's a bad bet. And the money line, by the way, is plus 140. The Bengals should win this game. But there has been instances where the Bengals are just not quite as good on the road. And it depends on what Joe Burrow, we talked about Joe Burrow's fantasy output. It depends on what Joe Burrow is going to show up in this game. But I do think I would take the Bengals plus three in this matchup with the hope that if nothing else, I'll at least push rather than bet the money line. But I think both are decent bets to be able to make. The over-under set at 44, I think that's a good line. Because if, if this goes the way Denver wants it to go, this is going to be like a 20-10 to 10 type of game. If it goes the way the Bengals can push it, then we might see an over here. It's just going to depend on which team's able to dominate this game. I think that's a good line set of 44. I'm not going to touch that. But the better team is the Cincinnati Bengals. Give, give me them plus three on the road against the Denver Bronco team. It just does not have the offensive firepower to really scare you at any given moment. Let's move on now to the Atlanta Falcons and San Francisco 49ers. Falcons, this is actually one matchup on, that both teams are not dealing with too many COVID issues either. Although there are some, there are some injuries that we have to talk about. I do have a breaking news that we got to hit though. Breaking news. It is official. Lamar Jackson did not practice again today. So that means he did not practice at all. He is considered, they're probably going to list him as questionable, but the sources on the inside are saying that they consider him more to be doubtful as far as him playing on Sunday. I would anticipate Tyler Huntley being the starting quarterback against the Packers on Sunday, making him a streaming option because he does like to run around a little bit. And again, we talked about this. I think he's good enough to get the pass catchers the ball but you're probably not going to have a Lamar Jackson this week. And even if he winds up being active, again, because it's a high ankle sprain, because it's Lamar Jackson, I think you're going to have to find another option. I really do. So regardless, I'm probably not going to play Lamar Jackson my first round of my playoffs, even if he wound up being active in this game. But let's get back to the Falcons and the 49ers. You love Cordell Patterson. Yeah, the 49ers have been pretty tough against the run, especially if Fred Warner is going to be back, which is the expectation that he'll be able to play again for the second week in a row. Uh, he's been a little bit limited at practice, so why it's a little bit of a question mark, but he should be good to go. But Cordero Patterson, even though his usage has sort of trended in the wrong direction the past couple of weeks, we've, we've seen Mike Davis get back more involved. We know that Patterson's still kind of dealing with that ankle issue, so I think the Falcons are not trying to push the envelope too much with him because they need him in a big way. He just finds a way to score every single week. He is my RB14 of the week. You're playing Patterson. He has RB1 level upside. You're playing him no matter what. Kyle Pitts, this is probably the lowest I've had Kyle Pitts ranked all season. I got him at tight end 11. So he's still in that low end tight end one. I'm still suggesting that you're probably starting him rather than not. But I do think he is now falling back into that realm of I'm comfortable streaming somebody else if you have a good option. I mean, there's a lot of scenarios out there where you picked up a Zach Ertz during the season because he got traded to the Arizona Cardinals and was probably on the waiver wire list. And you know, you had Kyle Pitts. And I would play for this week, for instance, a Zach Ertz over a Kyle Pitts with confidence this week. So it all depends contextualized on what you have available to your roster. But do a tight end 11. I'm suggesting that it's more likely you're going to continue to play Kyle Pitts. In a weird way, Hayden Hurst coming back actually helps him out a little bit. And the reason why it does is because what you have is Hayden Hurst gets to come in and he gets to block more. Now, he's playing more of the snaps than Kyle Pitts, but now when Pitts comes in, he's not expected to actually be a tight end. He's just expected to be a weapon. And that's, of course, we know that's what Pitts is best at and what we need him to be for fantasy production-wise. 
I know Hurt, uh, uh, Hayden Hurst got the, the touchdown last week, but his usage, Pitts' usage, that is, his routes run, and his volume overall were trending back in the correct direction. So that's why I have some confidence I would play him as a tight end one. Again, it depends on what options you do, in fact, have. The only other option that we're talking about for the Atlanta Falcons would be Russell Gage. Now, his volume the past two weeks does suggest that he should be somebody considered as a fantasy football asset. And I do have him as a wide receiver 34. If you couldn't tell by my tone, I'm not all that excited about it. This is Russell Gage we're talking about. This is Atlanta Falcon offense we're talking about that could just dud out, fall flat on their faces at any given moment because Matt Ryan could put up, you know, a, a 38 for 20 and 150 yards and no touchdown stat line at any given moment. Especially in a matchup like this, we are playing San Francisco at home. That's the risk that you're dealing with when it comes to a Russell Gage. But his usage over the past two weeks, he has established himself as the clear-cut number one option in that passing attack. It's going as a San Francisco secondary that is mediocre at best. So you do like the matchup there. There's a good chance Atlanta will have to come back from behind in this game, in the second half especially. I think he has a good base floor for half point and full point PPR leagues. That's why it comes in my wide receiver 34. And when you start to go through the list of wide receivers and who may or may not be available, Russell Gage's name has to come up. So I don't love it. I wouldn't want to have to play him in my first round, but he is an option nonetheless. Let's pop over to San Francisco because we don't care anything else on Atlanta. I'm not streaming Matt Ryan this week, by the way. Jimmy Garoppolo is my QB 13. So he would be considered my top streaming option of the week. Obviously, this has a lot to do with the matchup against Atlanta, combined with the idea that we may still not see Elijah Mitchell. He has not been able to practice this whole week. He's doing a little bit more this week than he has the past couple of weeks, or I should say last week. Last week, he wasn't doing anything at all. This week, he has been working off to the side with trainers. We do still have to see what winds up happening today, because he maybe if he practices in limited capacity today, he could clear concussion protocol and also be okay with the knee. Uh, ailment that they're calling it that he's been kind of dealing with over the past week as well. But I would lean towards the idea that Elijah Mitchell is not going to be active for this week. I'll get into a second what that means for Jeff Wilson, but it usually has resulted in Jimmy Garoppolo throwing the ball a little bit more than we would typically see. And the way George Kittle has been playing and Brandon Ayuk's been coming on strong and operating Debo Samuel in and out of the backfield. I do like Jimmy Garoppolo for, if nothing else, he's got a safe, floor. If you need a quarterback to just come in and drop 18 points for you this week because you're loaded everywhere else and you're hurting that quarterback, you have, you know, maybe you had Lamar Jackson get injured on you or Jalen Hurts or, you know, whatever the case, maybe you've been streaming all year anyway. Jimmy Garoppolo has been that guy that I've been talking of the past few weeks as a guy that you want to pick up for the fantasy playoffs because his schedule is so good the rest of the way. He's going to be a top end streaming option for the entire fantasy postseason starting along with this week. So if you just need a guy to go in there and get you 18 points with the way he's been playing and the matchup he has, he's that guy. I wouldn't expect a big ceiling. You might get one, but I wouldn't expect it. But you just need him to plug and fill that hole and keep the boat afloat. Jimmy Garoppolo is the guy for you. I'm uh, getting some more word here from the Ravens practice report. It's just a walkthrough, but Marquise Brown is out there. That's a big deal. Marquise Brown was not out there at practice yesterday dealing with the illness. He is out there today, so we can't expect Marquise Brown to be good to go. Let's get back to San Francisco, though. Jeff Wilson now without Elijah Mitchell. At least we'll, we'll pretend that Elijah Mitchell is definitely going to be out. He's been disappointing. 
I get it as far as his overall fantasy production. We had the match against Jacksonville, which frankly, I just think Jeff Wilson wasn't really ready for from a health perspective. He just didn't look quite right. It was very inefficient in that game, but he had 20 touches and it was against Jacksonville. So he played him. He wound up being disappointed. Same thing kind of happened last week. You got a decent matchup. Elijah Mitchell's out. You play him. Debo Samuel winds up with the touchdown and eight carries. You wind up overall disappointed by Jeff Wilson's production because he only had 56 yards, didn't have a touchdown, and wasn't involved in the passing game at all. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner but he looked a heck of a lot better. He was efficient. He was over four yards to carry. He looked like he was a little bit more explosive. I think you have to play Jeff Wilson as a low-end RB2 this week. Will Debo Samuel be involved in the running game? Yeah. Unfortunately, even though this goes against what your logical reasoning would be, does Jeff Wilson automatically get the red zone looks? Apparently not, especially not after what we saw last week. Does Jeff Wilson get to be involved in the passing game? Apparently not. <laughs> it's either Debo Samuel, Jamal Hasty, or Kyle Juszczyk. When you're playing Atlanta, do I think Jeff Wilson's going to get at least 15 carries, possibly 20 if they get to close this thing out in the fourth quarter and ice it? Yeah, I do. Am I going to want to play a running back who's getting me 15 to 20 touches against the Atlanta Falcons? Yeah, I do. So Jeff Wilson, while you probably were gonna, are going to want a touchdown, in order to boost that fancy value, you don't have the floor to go along with the passing game. Give me 15 to 20 carries against the Atlanta Falcons, and I show you a low-end RB2 at worst. So I think Jeff Wilson will be an option, will be a play for me heading into this week, given the circumstances if Elijah Mitchell, once again, has to miss, which at this point, I'm leaning towards being the case. As far as the wide receivers go, I still have Debo Samuel as a top-five guy. I know he's only had one catch, each of the past three games that he's been active for because he's been operating more as a running back. And he's still been coming through for you from a fantasy standpoint, even though it's been because he's been getting, well, lucky touchdowns as a running back, essentially. I don't see any reason why that would stop. And if anything, the usage of the targets in the passing game has to go up. I mean, in case you're not watching these games, he's still lining up predominantly as a wide receiver. He's still running more routes as a wide receiver. George Kittle's been dominating in a big way, and Brandon Ayuk's been more involved, and that's taken away his volume as far as the receiver goes, but he's been able to come through for you as a running back. The point is this. Debo Samuel, because he's just so involved in the offense one way or another, he's a wide receiver one. Plain and simple, he's a wide receiver one. Does he have the same ceiling he had earlier in the year? No. Does that bother you heading into your fantasy playoffs? Yeah, of course it does. There's no way you are going to lower your expectations or sit Debo Samuel or anything like that. He's a wide receiver one that you know is going to come through for you one way or another. And in case you're worried about his usage as a wide receiver, that's why I'm here to tell you, look, when you actually look at this thing on tape and you actually run the numbers, he's still playing more as a wide receiver. He's still out there. He's still getting routes run. The targets have to return to some capacity. George Kittle can't always go for almost 200 yards and two touchdowns. As much as you're the George Kittle owner, you'd like him to. So we'll see what happens in this game, but you're playing him with confidence. 
Obviously, George Kittle, you're playing with confidence. And I'm playing Brandon Ayuk with confidence. He's my wide receiver 25. He's a high-end wide receiver 3. And once I do the rankings tonight, there's a pretty decent chance I'll probably get inside my top 24 now with all the news coming out. So you're playing Brandon Ayuk. He had the touchdown last week. He's been getting six to eight targets on a pretty consistent basis over the past few weeks since he's gotten himself officially out of the doghouse. He's got a decent floor. You're playing a Brandon Ayuk in a really nice match against the Atlanta Falcons too. Let's try to win some money on this game. So the Atlanta Falcons, San Francisco 49ers, obviously, as you would expect, the 49ers are big favorites. At home, minus nine and a half. The overrunner set at 46 and a half. I think the overrunner is about right. I'm going to take the Atlanta Falcons plus nine and a half. They're not the better team, obviously, or even as good. But the 49ers have a long track record of not covering the spread at home. The Falcons, even though when you look at them on paper, you, you scratch your head, how is this team six and seven? But they find a way to keep games close enough, especially if the opponent doesn't isn't you know completely better than like with Tampa Bay they get blown out, but Tampa Bay is such a better team than the Atlanta Falcons are. The 49ers are not leaps and bounds better than the Atlanta Falcons. I don't think they cover this big nine and a half point spread. I think the Falcons are able to keep this within a touchdown. So give me the Falcons plus nine and a half. Remember, the 49ers are not a team that put up a ton of points on people. And as long as it doesn't want to be in the case and the Falcons can kind of hang around, this game will stay close. We know Shanahan's fine with just icing it in the fourth quarter up by five points, six points, whatever the case may be. I do think this game stays closer than nine and a half. So again, give me the Falcons. And I'm going to call it one of my lock bets of the week, by the way, too. Let's keep this thing rolling. We got the Seattle Seahawks and we got the Los Angeles Rams. Now, this is a game getting heavily, heavily affected by COVID, unfortunately. So Tyler Lockett, he comes into this thing. He's on the COVID-19 list. He went in yesterday. I see very little real chance he's going to be able to come back on Sunday. We did get confirmation. The one nice thing, or I shouldn't say the nice thing, but the, the one thing we do get as far as information goes when these guys go on the COVID-19 list is we get to figure out, are you vaccinated or not? Which can come into you know play later on in the year when these things pop up again. So we know that Tyler Lockett, at least he's vaccinated. He's one of the vaccinated players. It still doesn't mean anything for this week. Again, I, I just I apologize for you out there who have Tyler Lockett and needed him for the first round of your season. Because you want to talk about receivers who have been hot over the past month. He's been hot, and he had a big week last week. DK Metcalf is definitely hindered by some sort of heel injury. Wasn't He hasn't really been able to practice at all yet this week. Now, we'll talk about him in a second. I'm not as concerned about that as some people seem to be. The part where you're concerned about is that him and Russell Wilson haven't really been on the same page. And Tyler Lockett, as Wilson's gotten healthier and a little bit better and playing a little bit better over the past few weeks, has really reaped the benefits. Lockett's a big reason why people are in their fantasy football playoffs. So to not have him for this week is really, really disappointing. So again, for you guys out there, I apologize. But this is where you have to look for other options. Now, I don't know if there's another option on Seattle. I don't really trust a Dwayne Eskridge or a Freddie Swain but I don't even know if those guys are going to be available. So DK Metcalf hasn't practiced all week. We haven't gotten the report yet today. Again, you know, we're doing the show live in the morning on the East coast. We're not going to find out until later on in the afternoon. So we'll keep you up to date on social media later today. This has been his schedule though. He hasn't practiced much on Wednesdays the past few weeks. Once in a while, he hits a Thursday. Usually he winds up practicing on a Friday. He's good to go on Sunday. So I'm not really worried about Metcalf's availability for Sunday, unless for some reason, he doesn't want to practicing today, and he did have a setback in his foot injury that he's been dealing with. 
that we didn't know about after that week. So I expect Metcalf to be able to go. Tyler Lockett being out, obviously, there's a target boost in play for a DK Metcalf. Last week, while overall it was still disappointing, he only had 50 yards. If you actually watch that game, you know that DK Metcalf should have had two touchdowns in that game. One, he actually did score, got called back by a penalty. The other one, he was wide open. Russell Wilson threw a terrible ball well well behind him. He would have got a touchdown there. He should have had at least two touchdowns. An argument can be made for three, but he should have had at least two touchdowns in that game. So I think in a big way, DK Metcalf, while he's been a disappointment, if you were able to make the playoffs with him in your lineup, he might come through for you in a huge way. We don't know if Ramsey's going to be back for the Rams. And even if he is, the Rams have a lot of defensive starters on the COVID-19 list. They're going into this thing with one hand tied behind their back. But their offense, not as much. Now, we know OBJ's on the COVID-19 list, but you still have Cooper Cup. You still have Van Jefferson. Sony Michelle's been good. You still have Matt Stafford. As long as they have that nucleus together, this is a Rams team that should be able to put up points on the Seattle Seahawks. I really like DK Metcalf this week. Really like As long as he's able to go and be active, right now I have him at wide receiver 19, but I also saw Tyler Lockett ranked as of this moment. Once I change that, he'll probably be a borderline low-end wide receiver one, at least a high-end wide receiver two. But I think that performance that you've been earning for, yearning for, for a DK Metcalf, is going to come this week. Everything kind of sets up for it to be so. He's going to be the last man left standing with all that talent and maybe not a Ramsey to slow him down on top of it. You're not playing a Russell Wilson. I think the only other question is Rashad Penny. So it definitely helps that Alex Collins, also on the COVID-19 list, he's out, although it sounds like Adrian Peterson is going to be activated for this game. Probably Travis Homer as well. Rashad Penny had a great game last week. No doubt about it. But we also know this is a guy who struggles to stay healthy. We also know that this is a guy that when he does not get to see the hole, he does not create his own hole. He's Rashad Penny, look, he's not a very good running back. Plain and simple. His career has not just been derailed because of injuries. That is a big part of it. But it's also been derailed because when he's out there, if the hole is not right where it's supposed to be, he doesn't have very good vision. Never has. Now, if the hole's there, he can explode through it. He is powerful. He's a big back. But he doesn't create. If you shut it down, you shut it down. The the Seattle offensive line is terrible. They had a great matchup last week against Houston. We all know you can run on Houston no matter who you are, no matter what you do. That's why I like James Robinson so much this week. But the one caveat I'll give to that is he's a running back, probably in line for 15 touches minimum, going up against a defense that has been hit hard by COVID. So this might be a semblance. It still won't be as bad, but it might be a semblance of the Houston Texans defense. That's what we could be seeing. So kind of keep your eyes out on that. Rashad Penny, he's an RB3. He's a flex play. He's not going to probably make my top 24. I got to update my rankings. Right now, he wasn't even in my top 36. Was trying to still figure out what exactly was going on with the Seattle backfield. Alex Collins being out does clarify a few things. But Rashad Penny is still nothing more than a flex play in this one. He's got a very low floor to ceiling ratio. Very much a boom or bust prospect. But you might not have a better option this week. Talking about the Rams. So Darrell Henderson has still not made his way off the COVID-19 list. At this point, I wouldn't expect him to. So I do think we're going to see Sony Michelle. Obviously, Henderson doesn't play. Sony Michelle is an RB2. You could see him play him. It's been very disappointing that he has not been involved in the passing game when he's been out there, but he's been very efficient as a runner. 20 carries last week for 79 yards. He may He's a low-end RB2 because he's become a little bit touchdown dependent since he's not surprisingly involved in the passing game. 
but you're playing him against the Seattle team, which is one of the worst teams against the run anyway, if Darrell Henderson is out. So that 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 goes without saying. Matthew Stafford, a glimpse over him. He's my QB7. You're playing Matthew Stafford. He looks like whatever was ailing him a few weeks ago, the last two weeks in a row now, once against Jacksonville and then once against the Cardinals, he's gotten back on track. And even though they're not going to have OBJ because he's out on COVID-19, Cooper Cup and Van Jefferson is plenty against the Seattle team. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. Nothing feels as good as making others feel good. Those so-called feel-good holiday films? They can't hold a gingerbread-scented candle to the feeling of giving them something that gives them all the feels. Make this December one to remember. Together. Click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Obviously, love Cooper Cup, number one receiver on the week. Van Jefferson right now is my wide receiver 29. Again, this goes back to I haven't quite updated my list. I'm still trying to wait to the last second to find out all the official COVID news before I go ahead and update my rankings. He will go in. He will probably wind up in my top 24 without OBJ because now this entire passing attack is going to get consolidated down to Cooper Cup, Van Jefferson, and maybe to some degree, Tyler Higby. So Higby, he comes in as a top 12 tight end for me. I think he's definitely a startable guy because he should be looking at a little extra target share, a little extra touchdown potential with an OBJ being out. Obviously, the volume, it goes between Van Jefferson, Higby, and then OBJ, who's been a touchdown scorer every single week since he's joined the Rams, that can open up things for Tyler Higby as well. So Higby, actually a low-end tight end one for me heading into this matchup, but I'm playing everybody. Sony Michelle, Van Jefferson, Tyler Higby, all must plays along with the obvious being uh, Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup and a matchup that you love against Seattle Seahawks in a game that, frankly, we might see no defense because of what's available out there. So this could wind up being a high-scoring affair between these two teams. And the over-under is set at 45-and-a-half. I'm taking the over. I do think both these offenses will be able to move the ball with some efficiency especially on the Rams side. I think people are underestimating what the Rams are going to be able to do against the Seattle offense. They match up really well. I just think there's going to be a lot of points scored. I'm going to take the over to 45 and a half. I'm also going to take the Rams to cover. Without Tyler Lockett, I just don't know if Seattle can truly keep this game close. This line is only minus four. I guess because it's a divisional matchup, Vegas is saying they think this game is going to be closer than what I really honestly expect it to be. Now, maybe the Rams' defense completely falls apart because of what they're dealing with, and that's potentially the case, but you're, it's falling apart against an offense at slow pace and doesn't score a lot of points, even when they're healthy. So I think I'm okay with the Rams covering this game at a minus four, and I'm taking the over at a 45 and a half. Let's take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we're going to talk about the Sunday night game, we're talk about the Monday night game, and the mailbag segment for you guys. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back on the MD's Fantasy Football Show after this. 
It's the holiday season, and you don't know what to get as a gift or a stocking stuffer. Well, today's sponsor, Manscaped, has the tools to guarantee you win this year's stocking stuffer or white elephant competition. Manscaped is the leader in men's below-the-waist grooming, and they have served more than 4 million men worldwide. If my math is correct, that's almost 8 million balls. So get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Manscaped's best-selling product is the Performance Package 4.0, which is at the top of every man's wish list this year. Inside, you'll find their Lawnmower Body Trimmer, the best trimmer on the market for your balls, your butt, and your body, and the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer. Let's not forget the famous liquid formulations, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, and Crop Reviver Ball Toner to maximize your ball hygiene routine. Get the performance package now to receive their two free gifts, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. The dads can't stop talking about this, the teens secretly buy this, and the women will love you for it. Get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Be the ballsiest gift giver this year with Manscaped. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Welcome back to the MD's Fantasy Football Show, streaming to you live on social media at Show. We're also live to you on our YouTube channel. Please subscribe. Check us out after the episode on your favorite pod streaming app and download the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Amazon App Store on your Fire TV and or Android devices. I'm your host, Dan Mater. We're going over the Thursday night recap and late slate of Week 15 matchup previews in this episode. We've already covered most of it. Now we have the Sunday night game, the Monday night game to talk about, the mailbag segment to talk about. But I do have some more breaking news coming out of the break, haha, with uh, with some injury news updates you guys on. Breaking news. So it does not look like J.D. McKissick is going to be activated for this game. You do like that for Antonio Gibson owners. It means you're going to get all the volume. And the offense, frankly, is going to have to be flowed through Antonio Gibson if Garrett Gilbert's going to be the quarterback on top of it. I don't know how much of a ceiling Antonio Gibson's really going to have because I don't know how many points Washington's going to be in position to be able to put up considering all these circumstances around them right now. But you at least love the volume. Gibson's going to be a solid RB2 just based off of that. We know he has the ability to break one. Uh, we got some good news out of the Cardinals practice report. James Conner, he is, it sounds, he's reportedly working in the practice field. So he had not practiced all week. Sounds like he's going to get a limited session in here today at the very least. That would probably put him on track to be activated against the Lions on Sunday. So some good news for the Cardinals who've been getting hit hard by both injuries and COVID-19 as of late. Also, their offensive lineman, Justin Pugh, was out there too. Uh, That's the only news I got for you so far. So let's dive into the Sunday night game and the Monday night game. We got the Saints, Tampa Bay Bucks. Can Tom Brady finally put together a good performance against the Saints? It doesn't seem like it matters what goes on with New Orleans. Since Tom Brady has joined the Bucks, they just have his number. They just have the game plan. But there's no, I mean, there's no way in hell you can bench a Tom Brady, and he is my QB2 on the week. I do believe this is the week that he puts together a strong fantasy performance. Leonard Fournette, he did come back to practice today, but he's been dealing with an ankle issue. It's it's still the top number one rush defense in the NFL right now, statistically, the New Orleans Saints. So I think you're going to lean on Tom Brady to win you this game. I think he's going to have the volume because they're the number one passing attack offense. I think you're looking at at least 40 pass attempts. 
And because the Saints themselves don't have a lot of offensive firepower, I don't think it's going to put too much pressure on the Bucs. I don't think it's going to be a reason for Brady to press. That's the one thing I've noticed. The Saints are able to get in his head. They make him press a little bit when he's playing against them. I don't think he's going to be in the same situation this week on Sunday Night Football to have to do that. Plus, it's prime time. Plus, it's in Tampa Bay. Tom Brady this year, when he gets to play in Tampa Bay, has been lights out against everybody. So I'm playing Tom Brady with confidence this week. Obviously, of the two receivers, you like Chris Godwin a little bit more. He comes in my wide receiver eight. He's been a target monster, especially with Antonio Brown, Antonio Brown out anyway. But now you're heading into this match against the Saints where you have Marshawn Lattimore. He'll stick on Mike Evans, which we'll talk about in a second. But Godwin gets to operate in the middle part of the field where the Saints, frankly, have just not been very good this year. They haven't been very good protecting the slot. So you love Chris Godwin and his floor to ceiling ratio. He is a wide receiver one for me. Mike Evans is still wide receiver 11. I still have him as a low-end wide receiver one. Again, the extra target share has been made available to Godwin and him and Rob Gronkowski with the absence of Antonio Brown just kind of gives him a base floor where you know he's going to be involved in the offense. The last time these two teams played, he didn't do a lot other than the he had a 40-yard touchdown against Marshawn Lattimore, so he came through for you in a fantasy standpoint. Wasn't a lot of usage. This has been a bad matchup for Evans in the past. Lattimore has not been the same guy this year. A lot of off-the-field issues he's kind of dealing with. Saints defense in general has been quite as good as they've been the last couple of years. I think you have to play Mike Evans. If you got here to the playoffs, there's no way you're not. And he's a wide receiver 11 for me. So he's still a low-end wide receiver one with a high probability for a touchdown. Obviously playing Rob Gronkowski, he's been a top tight end. You love the usage. He's got a guy who can get you two touchdowns in a week at any given moment. And a good situation here against the Saints to possibly do so. So we talked about Leonard Fournette. We say he's back at practice. He's an RB7 for me. You're playing him with confidence. Now we know that he's going to probably be back and activated. I would, however, make sure if you're a Leonard Fournette owner, Ronald Jones is out there, and he is out there in more than 50% of leagues. Make sure you pick him up. Because if Leonard Fournette's dealing with this ankle issue, and he does go into this game, there's a chance, especially when it comes to ankles, he re-injures it, gets a setback, winds up getting hurt. The last thing you need on your plate is for Leonard Fournette to go down and for you to not have Ronald Jones because there's no Giovanni Bernard. So I, I would expect Keyshawn Vaughn would probably be activated if Leonard Fournette wasn't. But we know Ronald Jones is a capable player if he's getting 15 to 20 carries and what he can be fantasy-wise in that scenario, especially with this offense. So make sure if you're a Leonard Fournette owner, you're able to get your hands on Ronald Jones because that is a handcuff you must have. Must have, especially with Fournette now being a little bit vulnerable with the ankle issue. But you're playing everybody in Tampa Bay. Saints, I mean, this thing just it boils down to Taysom Hill. It boils down to Alva Kamara. Yes, it's a tough match against Tampa Bay, but the floors of these guys are insane because the entire offense revolves around these two players. Alva Kamara is my RB6. Even if he doesn't get it done on the ground, he's the only pass catcher to go to. Taysom Hill. Maybe he only gets you 175 yards passing. Who cares? He's still going to get you at least 50 to 60 yards rushing. He's still going to have a very good chance to get you a touchdown. He's my QB 11 on the week. Now, weeks previous, he had been in my top eight. This is the lowest I've had him ranked since he's become the starter. He's still QB one. And that's just obviously against Tampa Bay's defense. There's probably a lower ceiling to be had here, but you're still having confidence playing him in, locking down the four and giving you the production you need on Sunday nights to keep your fantasy football team in it or maybe push you over the edge. So you're playing both of those guys. 
well, it's pretty straightforward from a fantasy standpoint when it comes to these two teams. But let's talk about it from a betting standpoint. Tampa Bay is heavy, heavy favorites in this game. Minus 11 for Tampa Bay. The over are set at 46 and a half. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ignore the 46 and a half over under. I think that's about right. Tampa Bay is definitely a superior team. I mean, there, there's no question about that. You look at these two teams on paper, you say to yourself, yeah, Tampa Bay should win this game by two scores at least. I don't disagree with that. However, it's the history of the Saints and Sean Payton against Tom Brady. I mean, he hasn't beat him yet. Okay? So, I don't see how you can go into this game and confidently think Tampa Bay is going to cover minus 11. The Saints, since they've gone to Taysom Hill, they're not great, but they've established an identity on offense that their team can kind of build around and build rhythm and momentum off of. I think the Saints are going to cover. Give me the Saints plus 11 against Tampa Bay. I don't think this is going to be a blow. I think Brady will be better than what he has been. But the 350-yard, three-touchdown performance that he's been putting up the past couple of weeks, I don't know if that's on the table against the Saints. So give me the Saints plus 11 in this game. I'm not going to call it a lock of the week, but that is the way I'm going to lean. I think that's where you make the money. Let's talk about the Monday night game. You got Minnesota and Chicago. <laughs> we got so much illness, COVID-19 news going on in this one. It's, it's insane. And mostly on the Chicago side of the ball. So they had... They have, of note, for fantasy purposes, they had a bunch of defensive guys go on. They're, they're one of the top four teams, I believe, with the amount of COVID players they have on the list right now, Allen Robinson being one of them. So with Allen Robinson back out of the way once again, I think we know how this song plays out. The target consolidation goes around Darnell Mooney. I highly doubt, and Chris pointed this out earlier in the show on Wednesday, I highly doubt you're going to see Jakeem Grant get a kickoff return for a touchdown and break a 70-yard touchdown reception which is a big reason why you've seen Darnell Mooney. You saw him only get one catch for 19 yards, I believe it was, last week off the top of my head. Plus, mixed in with the fact that Allen Robinson was back out there and he got six targets. So you take away Allen Robinson, you take away the probability of having multiple big plays like they did last week against the Green Bay Packers. That adds up to Darnell Mooney going back as the clear-cut wide receiver one for targets. And then you add in the fact that Cole Komet I don't think Cole, I, I might have this wrong. And I have to vet this out, but Cole, Cole Komet, I think he had an illness. He's not on the COVID-19 list. I think he had an illness. That's why he didn't practice yesterday. But we have to watch these things. We've seen illnesses, non-COVID illnesses, knock players out for games. Now, this one's on Monday, so we're not going to get clarification until later on in the week. But it stands to reason that if Cole Komet misses along with Allen Robinson, well, that's just more and more target volume heading towards Darnell Mooney. David Montgomery, that one I know for sure, he didn't practice yesterday because of an illness, non-COVID related. So the good news is that he still has a decent shot to be available Monday night. But he may not be 100%. However, I love David Montgomery. If you take away Allen Robinson, you take away Cole Komet, the usage he's had, even though he hasn't had the big game yet, you love it there. He is actually a low-end RB1 for me heading into this matchup at my RB12 because the overall volume in the passing and rushing that he's been receiving the past couple of weeks, and now you add in the fact that this is a match against Minnesota, the best one of the best matchups you could possibly have as a running back. Yeah, he's in an RB1 position, no doubt about it. 
And then Mooney comes in right now. He's my wide receiver 37. But again, that's because I've not updated my rankings as of yet on BillyFantasySports.com. I will tonight. I can guarantee you he's going to want to being a wide receiver two again with Allen Robinson out of the way. So you're playing Darnell Mooney with confidence, even with Justin Fields as the quarterback, because that's going to be the guy that he goes to. Fields is not a streaming option to me. A lot of que- I've had a lot of questions this week about, do I play Mahomes or Fields? Do I play, you know, whatever QB one that I would typically have or Justin Fields this week? Fields, not only is he definitely a no in all those questions that I've had so far this week, but he's not even in my top 16, which means I'm not even contemplating him as a streaming option. Yes, he's been running more, and that has given him a bit of a fantasy floor that we didn't see him have in the first few starts of the season but he still has such a low floor because this offense can be so inept at times and lack the ability to score that even with a 60-yard rushing floor that he can maybe now have, he's still giving you 150 yards passing, maybe a passing touchdown. The other caveat with him, he doesn't have any rushing touchdowns in his stat sheet. So that takes away a little bit of what his rushing floor truly is. I'm not streaming Justin Fields in my first round of my playoffs. He's got too low of a floor. There are too many other guys that I can at least establish. I know I should get at least 18 points out of you. Justin Fields does not meet that criteria for me. Even in a matchup against Minnesota on Monday Night Football. He just doesn't. There's no way I'm streaming him in the first round of the playoffs. On the Minnesota side, it's a little bit less tricky. Adam Thielen, I'd say he's doubtful at this point. Mike Zimmer had made a comment you know, earlier in the week that maybe Adam Thielen would be able to get out there. I don't see it happening. So Adam Thielen, I wouldn't expect him to be able to go. That means you're playing KJ Osborne as a very solid wide receiver three. He had nine targets last week. He had the three catches for 80 yards. He had the big touchdown. The nine targets is what I care about. And what I also care about is the routes run as a slot receiver. He played more as a slot receiver than Justin Jefferson did. And that's really where you can destroy the Bears is over the middle of the field. So I think Osborne has a nice target share along with Jefferson. I think both these guys can eat. It's a nice matchup here on Monday Night Football. Obviously, playing Jefferson, he's my number two receiver on the week, but you're also playing KJ Osborne with confidence. Dalvin Cook, my RB4. There's going to be no Alexander Madison, so you don't have to really worry about him getting worked in. Not that he does when Dalvin Cook plays anyway. You love the the offense there. And Tyler Conklin's a tight end 16, which means he's in my streaming options too. Last week, he didn't have a lot of targets. And that's a possibility again this week, which is why he's not in my top 12 or closer to my top 12. But again, the middle of the field is where you attack Chicago. I do think there will be enough offense for Conklin to get a touchdown. I think he's got as good of a chance to get a touchdown as anybody else in that tight end range. So he's an option depending upon what you're looking at out there. And Kirk Cousins, I know this is Monday Night Football. I know it's prime time. But the weapons match up so well against Chicago. I think Kirk Cousins could be very bland, very safe and still have a QB 10 performance. He is my QB 10 of the week. I am playing Kirk Cousins and trusting to play him even on a Monday night football game in the first round of my playoffs because you love his weapons against the Chicago defense right now. The Chicago team in general, which is just decimated by COVID-19, decimated by that, and decimated by non-COVID illnesses as well. This is a team that's very sick, very ill. It's going to be very under the weather when they go into that Monday night game. So you're playing all them with confidence too. Let's talk about betting this game. I love this as a lock of the week. Minnesota's better team on the road than they are at home anyway, and they're only minus five and a half favorites over Chicago. I definitely think they win by a touchdown or more. The over-under set at 44. I'm probably going to take the over in this game as well. I think there will be some offense scored on both ways. Not much defense to be had here on either one of these teams right now, the way this game sets up. 
but I love the lock of the week being Minnesota at minus five and a half on Monday night football. Guys, guess what time it is. The mail's here. Remember, if you ever want to get on the mailbag segment, all you got to do is hit us up on social media at Show. DM us. I'll answer every single one of your questions, and I pick out my favorite ones to put on the show for the week. First up, we have Reese. He asked me, Rashad Penny or Devonta Smith in the flex this week? This is a very tough question. This is a very tough question. Do you love the matchup for Devonta Smith against the Washington football team? Uh, you also like Rashad Penny going up against the Rams that are very hindered by COVID-19, and he's a running back who should be seeing 15 or more touches coming off of a big week. It's a very tough question. I actually lean a little bit towards Devonta Smith if Jalen Hurts is a starting quarterback. If it winds up being Gardner Minshew, I think there is a real rapport between him and Dallas Goddard, not just because he had the two touchdowns against the Jets, but just in general, Gardner Minshew likes to go to the middle of the field and that's where Goddard's operating within this offense. So I do worry about, you know, how much do you even need to push the ball to the outside of Devonta Smith in this game? Because I think the Eagles have a good chance to dominate with everything going on with Washington right now. How much do you even need to throw the ball? So I do think there's a little bit of a lower floor when it comes to Devonta Smith if Gardner Minshew is a starter. If Jalen Hurts is out there, Smith is his guy. We've been frustrated all year by Goddard's you know, usage with Hurts as a starting quarterback. He likes to throw it to the outside. He likes to take those shots down the field. And a game in which where if he starts, he might be a little bit less mobile and throwing the ball a little bit more. I do like Devonta Smith more there because he's just he's going to have a higher ceiling. So if Hurts plays, I'm going Devonta Smith. If it's Gardner Minshew, I would go Rashad Penny and take the 15-touch floor that I think he's going to at least have. You're not having the same expectations as he did against Houston. Even the Rams banged up, they're not as bad as that Houston defense is. But that's that's the way I would attack that, Reese. That's how close it is, though. Charlie, KJ Osborne or Devontae Parker? So this was a little bit of a closer question earlier in the week when I picked it out originally. Now that we know that Jalen Waddle is going to be on the COVID-19 list, I think you're definitely playing Parker. He becomes the number one receiver. You know that his volume is going to at least give him a very hefty floor heading into this game. He's got a great chance for a touchdown against the Jets. I like. I had both these guys ranked neck and neck with each other before the Jalen Waddle news came out. Parker's going to be moving up my rankings. It would be Devontae Parker for me, but KJ Osborne's still a very good playing receiver. And honestly, if you could find a way to get both these guys into your lineup, I would be okay with that too. Eric, he asked me, 49ers defense or the Patriots defense this week? I'm taking the 49ers defense. There's a much lower ceiling on what the Falcons can do offensively against San Fran than there is with the with the Colts against the Patriots. I know the Patriots defense has been playing great, but both these teams have a bye. It's going to be in Indianapolis. We know the Colts offense is Jonathan Taylor, number one running back. The Patriots have been run on in the past when you can actually get a running game going against them. Uh, yeah, give me the Falcons and the Matt Ryan woes and the multiple interception games he's had. The 49ers defense getting healthier in the front seven, applying a little bit more pressure. I'm going to take the ceiling of the 49ers defense over the Patriots defense this week. Last question, we got Russ. Uh, and he actually asked Russell Gage or Devontae Parker. Again, uh, Devontae Parker by a landslide when it comes to Russell Gage. I think he has the same type of floor, a much higher ceiling this week, uh, especially given with Jalen Waddle out and the matchup against the New York Jets. That's going to do it for the show today, guys. I hope you all enjoyed it. Remember, we'll be available to you all throughout the weekend, so ask us your fantasy football questions. There's going to be a lot this week. We're going to be back tonight 
at 9 p.m. for the DFS contest and lock bets of the week. Chris Dahauer and Chaz Flaherty will be joining the show later on, so make sure you tune back in on social media at MDFF Show on our YouTube channel. Subscribe and check us out on your favorite pod streaming app. Download the MD Saints Football Show on the Amazon App Store for your Fire TV and Android devices. I'm your host, Dan Mater. I'll see you guys later. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's rare to find a gift that you know everyone on your list will love. That's what you get with an incredibly soft blanket from Minky Couture. With hundreds of different styles and sizes of Minky Couture blankets, you'll find a gift that they are sure to love every single day of the year. Shop the best deals of the season at MinkyCouture.com.